Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastalka, and yes, I have to move the microphone in front of me so it sounds good. Wow. I'm happy to be here, back from a long holiday weekend, and I'm so happy to have Steve Human here with me today from Superhuman Productions. Steve, welcome. Thank you very much, Damon. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, we're going to be talking about telling your story with video today because you are the man when it comes to video. I mean, you've got some experience, not only in video, you've got experience in writing, production. I mean, just so much stuff. It's going to be great to uncover this today. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about some storytelling stuff and and just why it's so important. And hopefully I can I can convey that sort of excitement for storytelling because for me, it's like, it's almost like breathing. It's that important. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, let's start. Let's start. Tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, and, and what really, you know, your background, what really intrigues you about film, what in video and producing videos and, and also a little bit about your writing. All right. Well, when I look back on my life, even when I was a child, I was always a storyteller. Um, I remember getting my sister's tape deck. This is in the early 80s, right? So this is like 83, 84. And she had her tape deck and I would put the tape in and I would record stories and they would be superhero stories. And, you know, because that's what I was interested in and what I'm still interested in. Yeah. But I would literally do that as a four and five-year-old. And when I, when I was a teenager, you know, I always wanted to get into some type of storytelling, whether it was writing or film. But I never felt that it was like a possibility. Like I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial home. Yeah. You know, it was always very safe. You get a job and, and whatever. So it was always like, well, I can't do that. You can't do that. That was what I had in my brain. So I went to, to college, went to university and studied and thought I would go into radio uh, because I had a radio show at the University of Utah where I was studying and I needed an internship to graduate. So I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply at the radio station. Well, I was looking up internships and my wife actually found one at a television production company that I had never heard of. And I was like, okay, sure, why not? It's an internship. Well, they ended up getting back to me before the radio station did. So I took that internship and I started working yeah. at a production company that produced television shows. Um, and their flagship show was an outdoor adventure show. And I started out you know, just an intern and then I got hired on freelance doing writing. And then I got hired full time. And then eventually after a few years, I was running the, the show and I ran that production company for 15 years, um, just producing wow. a weekly show, at least one every single week. Um, and I ran all the teams and it was just it was really cool. It was crushing because you had so many different shows. But man, it was amazing. It was an amazing opportunity that taught me everything about different storytelling techniques and about art and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was the it was the ultimate sort of petri dish for creativity, is what I would say. Wow, 
I bet it was. I bet it was. We'll get back to that a little bit. So you're also also an author. Yes. And, and, and tell us a little bit about that. And, and I mean, because a lot of people like writing, but not very many people write books. Well, see, I think that everyone wants to write. Everyone, I think that human beings are storytellers. I think that's one of our, our main aspects is that we tell stories. We love to have a good story to tell when we've got people around us, right? You 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 wanna be able to tell some cool story that happened to you or happened to somebody else and see that look on people's faces. Um, and so most people just don't, they either don't have the, the skill or, or the time, but I know tons of people who wanna write books. Well, I, being a storyteller, I always wanted to write novels and I wanted to write novels about what I enjoyed, which was, you know, science fiction thrillers, kind of like Twilight mm -hmm. Zone, where, yeah. You know, it's about something, but it's about more than what it's about. I always gravitated toward that, even as a kid. Well, after I've been working for this company for 15 years, my wife and I, I just kind of realized that it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. The company wasn't going in the direction that I you know, felt that it should go. I felt very trapped and stifled creatively. And so we decided, you know, what would be the ultimate thing if I could choose? And I would say, well, I want to do the video work that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, and then I want to write my own stories. And so that's what we decided to do. We took the leap um, and we started our we started Superhuman Creative. We started the business and I split my time to this day between writing science fiction thriller novels and doing the video work that I enjoy. And and writing the novels has been so freeing. Um, it hasn't been easy because, you know, they have to be professional. They have to be edited. They have to do all that stuff. It's not like you can just pump it out and send it out into the world. It's got to go through all the different processes in order to, you know, meet market levels and be good. But I love that challenge. And, you know, I was secure enough in my storytelling ability that I was like, okay, let's just, let's just do it. I'll take the critiques. I'll take the hits. We'll revise as often as we need to. Um, and then we'll figure out the business side of it because it's a totally yeah. different business model than yeah. anything else I'd ever worked on, you know, to make yeah. money as an author. And so it just took a lot of, just dedication and and not giving up. But I think that, I mean, you'll know this as a business owner and an entrepreneur, you know, anybody who's been through that, you go through those times where you're just like, geez, this is the most difficult thing I've ever done. Why am I doing this? I should just go yeah. get a job because it was easier. Um, <laughs> but I think it's those moments when you can make it through those and you get a couple of days past that and you're like, okay, I'm not freaking out now. Everything's gonna be fine. You know, the the more you do that over the first few years of your business, well, then eventually you succeed. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. You just don't give up long enough to figure it out, and it works. <laughs> so, I'm going to write that down. You don't give up long yeah. enough. That's that that's a good one. Oh, dude, because I remember, I remember those. The, there were days in that first you know year and a half, two years, where it was where you just felt like crushed, like everything you tried just failed, and so then you feel like a gigantic failure and but then you look back, at least that's what I did, is I would look back and say, okay, when we started this, we felt really good about it. And the only way that I can fail is if I now quit. And after that, and that was the funny thing, like when I first started the business, I was very much like, oh, well, if it doesn't work, I'll just get another job, you know, no big deal. But after like a year, you're kind of getting yeah. the mindset of like, well, I don't want to work for anybody ever again. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And so then when you get that mindset, suddenly it's, okay, well, now I can't because I don't want to. I want to see this move and succeed. And so when it came to the books and the video, that's 
that's just what it came down to was kind of taking those lumps, rolling with the punches and eventually coming out the other side and going, okay, well, I've got this kind of figured out or I've got it figured out, an, an, out enough that I can see where the river kind of shifts and moves and that mm -hmm. what works today might not work in six months, but I've kind of got my hand on the wheel enough that I can, that I can move it. So it's been very, very fulfilling, especially when I go to conventions and things and I'm selling books. Um, every time I sell a book, I get excited. Every time, you know, I, I'm selling online and, and one of my box sets goes, you know, digital and I see that it doesn't matter. It's like, you get this thrill. It's like, Oh, someone likes it. And then when someone leaves a review, you know, you, you feel like a million bucks. Just yeah. like, oh, something I created, someone really enjoyed. And that makes me happy. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty cool to have that balance between those two sides of the business. That is, that is no doubt because I was just talking to somebody yesterday. In fact, they had written a, a business book and they were telling me about their promotional schedule. They're, they're going to go on like an eight month promotional tour around the United States with their book, signing books. They've got special people going to be at each book signing. And there's, there's a whole business behind promoting your books once your, your whole processes and things that's really, really intriguing. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and it takes, it takes more than a lot of people think when they decide to write their book, you know, you, I was in that place where I was like, well, I, I wrote a book. So that means that everyone's going to like it. Um, and once you kind of understand, okay, that's not the case just because I create something, a doesn't mean that it's good. And B, it doesn't mean that anyone's ever going to read it, even if it is good. And so yeah. you have to, to take that business mindset and go in and say, okay, if I'm going to continue writing, that means I've got to make money writing so that I can continue writing. And if you go into it with that mindset, then you're probably going to be okay. But if you go into it with just like, well, I've done this book and I'm going to put it on Amazon and I'm going to wait for the royalties to, to come in. That's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you talk about writing a book, what was the, the most difficult thing that you didn't anticipate about writing the books? Probably the critique, because when you're, no matter what it is that you create, when you create it, you generally, most people, I mean, obviously there are people who really critique their own stuff really badly, but most yeah. of us, when we create something, we feel good about it. We're like, oh, I created it and it's awesome. It's my baby. And then when you put it out there for someone else, especially someone you respect to read and they come back and they're like, no, 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 you know, and it's all marked up. Um, you feel like you got kind of punched in the stomach a little bit at first um, and you kind of want to vomit, but <laughs> you, know, you really do. I remember um because you're I, like i i remember i wrote my first book and i finished the first draft the day before this big conference that i was going to and i hit the end and i remember in my brain going like i know people talk about needing a second draft but i don't need it this is perfect as it is <laughs> then getting the critiques back and wanting to throw up because i'm just like oh my gosh and then learning all of the things that i just didn't know there were so many things yeah. that I had no idea about. And then spending the next year and a half um, going to critique groups and learning to love critiques and learning to love when someone comes back and says, hey, I'm not getting this part or this was really beautiful or seeing when your work inspires people. So I think for me, it was the critique and, and getting past that point where it stung to where yeah. I ate it for breakfast and was just like, yes, 
give me what give me whatever the problems are i need to know because i can't fix them otherwise yeah yeah you have to, that's great you have to learn to love the critiques yeah because well because you're too close to the information first of all you understand the story because you're in the story but you're you're trying to convey it to somebody else so well, i think that 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 critique aspect kind of it works in any type of business. You know, if you are open to critique and you understand that even though you created something or you did something and it may have been to the best of your ability, there's always room for learning. And if yeah. you're in a safe space, you're in a space of people that you respect and you ask for that critique and you actually just listen to it and say, you know, they're not doing this to hurt me or anything. Your end product is going to be so much better. Like I, I always use the example of Pixar. You know, Pixar, obviously, they produce amazing movies. Some of the best movies of the past 30 years are Pixar movies, but they have a mantra that is fail as fast as you can. And so what that means is that they, when they're starting a project and they're working on it, they have all of their creatives in there and they're trying to get past the problems as fast as humanly possible so that they can produce something good. So they just, they critique and they hit and like, this isn't working and everyone is very open and they're challenged. And so then their work comes out better. And obviously with, yeah. with Pixar, it's proven by what it is that they produced. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I got, I got Joseph Stepke's listening and Joseph is a crazy superhero fan. <laughs> now I have to ask you for Joseph, who is your favorite superhero? Superman. Don't even have to think Superman. about it. You can see, right? right <laughs> what do you there. say about that, Joseph? What do you say about no. that, Joseph? Yeah. Let's I see in the comments what Joseph thinks about that, because I think he, he thought Joseph's got a little different, different, uh, different attitude about that. He <laughs> is Team Batman. Okay, well, but uh, right here is an entire Batman shelf. So at least I represent. Mm -hmm. um, I love Superman and Batman. I love, I love all. So I have. Marvel shelves, and I've collected comics since I was nine years old, um, and I've collected, you know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, X-Men, basically everything you can imagine I've collected and have represented in my action figure collection, um, because I just love that medium. But yeah, Superman yeah. is the number one. In fact, I probably shouldn't say this since Joseph is listening, but um, the older I get, the less I like Batman, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm just like, dude, get over it, man. Just get some therapy. You have billions yeah. of dollars. You can do a lot of good with that without beating people up. Um, heal yourself. So it's like, as a kid, I'm like, Batman's cool. And I was an adult. I'm like, dude, Batman, just go to a therapist. So, yeah. Yeah, yep, that's funny. Well, so he said he needs to connect with you and show you the Batcave. Oh, so that's sweet. Oh, if he's, that... got, if he's, if he's got like a, a Batman. Oh, man cave. Oh. Oh, 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 yeah. He's got, he's got a Batcave. He's oh, not kidding. Now that is awesome. That okay, he, Joe. I want to see it. Yes, that sounds yeah. Awesome. So you guys will have to connect because he's not kidding. He does have a bat cave, and he will have to show you his Batman suit that he uses that he had for made for Halloween last year. Oh yes, okay, your yes. year before. I, have, it was, I love it's off I the love hook. Batman suit. One of the, when I worked in TV, one of the things that we would do, we had a geek show and we worked with uh, different geek um websites and stuff. And so we would go to like New York Comic Con. And we would be on the floor interviewing, interviewing celebrities. And one of the things every year that we would do is that I would go down and I would interview cosplayers. And I would try and find the best 
costumes. And I've been to conventions all over the place, but man, there's something about New York and the quality of, because that, I guess in New York, it's like, you know, geek culture isn't as big of, big of a thing. And so they take it seriously. So their costumes were amazing. Like you would not even believe it. The like the Batman costumes that they would have and the, and the Iron Man's like actual, like Iron Man suits with, with faces that opened up the whole shebang. So, Oh wow. Yeah. I love That's that. something. That's something. Well, you guys will have to connect because I know that's, it's a, it's a passion of Joseph's. That's for sure. So the, the writing and the, the uh, collector part in you, and, and we're going to talk about growing because uh, really you grew up in, in video production, producing mm -hmm. television shows because you came out of college and you were doing that. So what, I mean, it's a lot different in a production environment like that. And I mean, production and you got to do a show a week or, or it's a lot different than I'm going to make a documentary on, you know, the, the history of the world or whatever the heck it is. Uh, so what did you really learn in that where you have that ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk? I got to put a show out every week that that really taught you things that help you now. For me, I learned to love the deadline. I learned to look and say, okay, I've got seven days to produce that next half hour show and then supervise the production of, you know, potentially two other half hour shows. Yeah. And so it taught me A, to love that deadline and B, to understand that that creativity, a lot, like constraints, time, be they time constraints or money constraints, force you to be more creative. And so if we looked and we had a problem, and we said, okay, well, it doesn't matter. This problem crops up. Let's say, you know, it's a Wednesday and that show has to be done and out by 1 p.m. on Friday. So there's, a, there's suddenly a problem on Wednesday. Well, I can't just say, hey, I can't. Well, it's just broken or, or a piece, you know, we weren't able to shoot that we had scheduled. It was going to be on that, weekend's on that weekend's show. I couldn't just say, oh, well, we're going to have black in the, in the show. There's going to be a whole yeah. section of two minutes of black. Um, you had to find solutions and you had to be creative about those solutions. And so when those things would crop up, it would just be like, okay, well, there is no such thing as failure in this circumstance. We have to find an answer and we have to be creative. And oftentimes what we would come up with in those crunch times would be so much better than yeah. if we had, had six weeks to figure it out. Um, somehow the ideas would be so pure and the execution so just like flowing with the creativity that sometimes those ended up being our most popular pieces that we had ever done. Um, and so wow. I look at those kind of constraints. Hey, I look at, um, at deadlines and I look at problems as just creative solutions. You, you think around it, fix it, and you move on. Um, because I think too many times, if you're not in that situation and you don't have those constraints, things can sometimes just be less creative and thus less good. Like I look at, I don't know if you've ever seen um, the movie Serenity. Um, it's a Joss Whedon movie based off of the television show Firefly that he did. It's a really good movie, but I was watching the special features and he talked about how they had this big idea of what they were going to do with one of these vehicles that they had. And when they got in, they just didn't have the budget. They could not create it in real life. And so they had to get very creative very fast. And what they ended up coming up with to fix that problem was so infinitely better than what they originally had that yeah. it became the hallmark of the movie. And so wow. I just ended up loving those constraints and realizing that they forced me to be more creative. And when I was forced to be more creative, the end result was better. Yeah, that's cool. 
That's cool. Joseph Joseph agrees. He says that New York and San Diego yeah. are the cons to go to. So yeah. Well, that's that's a that's a great it's a great point because you know some of the best things were created out of necessity rather than long planned, thought out um, processes, that's for sure. And the creativity, your force, the force creativity really comes up with some unique solutions once in a while. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's that's cool. So as you as you looked at this, um, what were what were the shows again that you were producing? So our my primary show is called At Your Leisure. It's an outdoor yep. adventure show on ABC. Um, everyone has seen it at least once, like they'll have come across it and, and seen it, but it was all outdoor adventure. It focused primarily on the Western United States, um, yep. but we would go all over and do whatever we wanted, you know, if it was in the outdoors. And so that was, that was very fulfilling. Then we also did a public affairs show called County Seat that was all about local government. Um, we did a couple of, of geek culture shows. Um, we did numerous documentaries. We were always just doing different things. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a very creative environment. It was it was really fun for that. Um, but yeah, the main show was was at your leisure, and that was the one that I like to focus on more than even the geek shows because it just it offered so much opportunity to go out and do cool stuff that most people never get to do. Yeah. So that, let's talk about that a little bit because you and I have talked off off camera about your show a little bit. So, I mean, you Western U.S. What are your top three places where people should see in the Western U.S.? Oh, Western U.S. Jeez. Or or just Utah. If you just want you to do Utah. Okay, Utah. Okay, so so if we're talking if we're talking Utah. Um, the Wedge is one. Um, it's the kind wedge. of like a mini Grand Canyon. When you arrive there, you're at least I was when I saw it the first time. I was I was really surprised that I didn't that I'd never heard of it before. Um, because it very much does look like the Grand Canyon. This is beautiful spot. You can camp right on it. There's a river at the bottom of it. Um, a very beautiful, beautiful area. Um, so that for sure would be one. Um, whitewater rafting the Colorado River between Moab and Height Marina um, through Cataract Canyon. That is an experience that I cannot hype up enough. You're going through some of the nastiest rapids in the Western United States. Um, and it is cool. Plus, you're basically in the Grand Canyon because yeah. you're not technically in the Grand Canyon, it doesn't start until you get to height, but you're in these canyon lands with these massive canyons all around you as you're going down this river. It is so cool. It is such an amazing experience. Um, and third, um, let me think for a second what the third one would be. Um, probably the San Rafael Swell. Um, it's, it's kind of in the area of the wedge. The wedge is a part of it. But the swell is basically just an uplift of red rock that goes on for like 50 miles. And wow. it's an area of slick rock canyons and slot canyons. And just, I mean, there's Goblin Valley. If you've, if you've ever heard of Goblin Valley, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that is, that's a part of the swell. Um, just an absolutely spectacular landscape where you can go off and if you want to ATV or if you want a Jeep or if you want to hike, you can go out and you can find places where you're the only person within 20 miles or 50 miles. Oh um, my. Have that type of experience and just camp and go and explore. Um, you'll find arches that, you know, maybe you're the only person in the last five years who have seen it. Oh my. That, that type of 
that's that's the thing that i really enjoy about the western united states well in utah especially because there there's not a ton of people in utah in in the places that you're talking about and and it is you can go to places where there literally have not been people looking at the same stuff that you've looked at for years in in, yeah. in, in turn in certain places and then and, and the and it's not that far when you're talking about these places what are they out of Salt Lake City? The Sanderville Swell, like the primary access point, like if you're going to go out of Farron, it's only about two hours from Salt Lake. Yeah, see, yeah. it's like you're not driving 12 hours to get to some place. Yeah. Uh, so that's really something. So as you're as you're producing these videos, you're you're deciding that the the production company they're doing their production company thing, they're going off on their road, and you decided to uh, you're going to be writing books and you're going to be doing doing video work for people now. So. What do you think really carried over into the video work that you love doing now and helping people tell their story with video? For me, what I always loved the most was the personal stories. I loved interviewing people and talking about their stories, whether whether it had to do with the area where we were, you know, where we were adventuring, or if it had to do, you know, if we were filming for the Geek Show and it had to do with their love of comic books or whatever it was. It was that personal story that always resonated with me. Because yes, I love movies, obviously. I'm a, I love movies and I love novels and I love all of that stuff. But all of those are manufactured. You know, you create it and you try and create it as well as you can so that you create an emotional experience with people. But there's something about a story that is real, that is that person's story and only they can tell it, that mm -hmm. always really just got to me. And helping them tell it in a beautiful way was just, it, it, it filled me up. And so when I was like, okay, I need, I need to leave and start my own thing, that was the part of the video that I wanted to do. I didn't want to do, you know, just straight up commercials and the glossy and all of that stuff. I wanted to sit down with people and I wanted to help them tell their stories and have me ask the right questions and get them comfortable so that they could tell an emotional story and then put it together so that it instantly resonates with people, whether it's a client or a customer or whoever it is. Um, because just like we're talking about that first couple of years of being a business owner and you feel like you're a failure and all that stuff, every business owner has been through that. Like maybe there's mm -hmm. one tenth of 1% that just everything worked out and it was wonderful. And they're like, oh, crazy. <laughs> the other 99.9% .9 of us, we all went through those times where we were like, I'm, I'm two weeks yeah. away from closing my doors. I don't know what to do. And we yeah. made it through. And when you tell that stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that really touches people because you're telling something that's 100% true and you lived it. And it's not something that's secondhand. You're giving it to your customers. You're giving it to the people that, you know, that you want to work with or that whatever that relationship is, but you're able to tell it and then have it be condensed, you know, in a, in a video format so that it's told well, mm -hmm. but it, for me, that just, it resonates so much. It hits people and they're like, wow, you know, and, and you can have by the end of one of those videos, someone who has no idea who that person was and feel that emotion that they're feeling the emotion and going like, wow, I had no idea, but that's the power of a good story. It's the power of good storytelling of being able to know, okay, what to cut and what to keep in and what to put together and how to bridge it and put together that piece that tells that story in a way that is entertaining and emotional and just 
makes people feel emotional. I love when I'm working with a client and they get emotional watching their own story because they're realizing in that moment that their story was worth telling. And I think that so, so many of us have that problem that we don't feel that our story is worth telling, whether it's a business story or a personal story. And in truth, those stories are always worth telling because they, they represent our life. They represent our existence. And when we share those, when we put them out there, it just makes the world a better place. It makes it a richer place when we share mm-hmm. those stories. So that's why I gravitated toward that on the video side is because yeah. A, I, I loved it. And I felt that, that that was more needed than another commercial, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, because you're, you're you, when you say that, I can't tell you. I don't think there's been ever been a business owner or, you know, we just put a parent for, I don't care. Just, <laughs> that that ha- doesn't have stories that are worth telling, you know, because you talk about business owners and there are so many of them that, as you said, they may seem ultra successful today, but they can go back to a point where they were sitting there and saying, I didn't know if I was going to do it, or I was two pennies away from having to, to say I'm done. And, and they, they did, like you said earlier, they, they said they didn't give up long enough <laughs> and, that it turned around and, and they, they made it through, but telling those stories, you, you, but the power of good storytelling and, and then your skill to take those different pieces of video, because, you know, we tell these stories and while yes, and in the entirety, they're good as you want to turn those into a, a, an, a, a video that really touches people, there's a lot of art in that to be able to take, like you said, and splice and bridge and the different things you were talking about. Yeah, because you've got to be able to, like, let's say you interview somebody for 45 minutes and you've got to get a four minute piece out of that, um, which is pretty standard. You know, you've got, you've got one tenth of, you know, that's actually going to be seen. But it's going through and picking the most powerful moments and putting them together and then allowing the story to tell itself by just truncating it. Like I, my, uh, my mentor, Chad Booth, who is the owner of the production company, he told me very early on when I was writing stories, said the problem with like news, like television news, is that the reporters tend to always have their eye on, you know, the anchor's desk. They're, they're always, okay, I'm, I'm, this is just a way station for me to become something else. And so they tended to take their stories and the interviews that they were doing for those stories and making themselves the star. And so they would take the most important quotes for themselves. So, for example, if they're interviewing someone and the guy said, oh, the the fire just started in the kitchen and exploded and I ran out. Well, the reporter would take the and the the kitchen exploded and then it goes to the guy and I ran out. You know, they take they take the most important part. Yeah. The key to a good story is allowing the subject to have those powerful moments. And then if you're able to see what those moments are as you're going through the video and put those together, well, then you have a really powerful video that then just makes, A, the subject look like a really good storyteller. Yeah. But it then condenses that and and tells a story that just has all of those really exciting moments. Yeah, I bet. So as you're doing this, what are some of the things that that you just really love about being able to do it? I love sitting down with someone and just going through the interview. And because most of the time, 
people are somewhat trepidatious about being on camera in any way, shape, mm -hmm. or form. You know, it, it is uncomfortable. You feel very naked because you're just there. You're on, people can really stare at you and see yeah. everything you And so people get uncomfortable. So I love sitting down and helping them get comfortable just through the first few questions and smiling and, and until they start getting comfortable and realizing yeah. oh, the camera's over here, they're not looking at the camera. They understand, okay, this is a conversation and the camera is just a voyeur who's watching us. And then they start to just loosen up. And then I know what kind of questions to ask. And I listen very intently to what they're yeah. saying so that I can follow up. Um, and when you do that, people just start to, to really share. And when you get to that moment of sharing, it becomes a very just intimate experience because they're sharing things that sometimes no one on earth knows other than them. And they're sharing it with me as I'm sitting across from them. And it's, it's really, really cool. Like about 12 years ago, I decided to do a family documentary just of my family. I come from a large family. We grew up in Southern California. And so I wanted to do this. I had the idea one day. So I, I interviewed all of my siblings and my parents and, and sitting with my dad, you know, you, you know, your dad, you, you talk to him, you do all that stuff. And I'm sitting with him just asking these questions and just as I would with any other subject. Yeah. And I was able to learn things about my dad and about his relationship with his parents that I had never heard that my mom didn't even know about that. He was yeah. opening up and sharing with me in that moment on camera um, about where everyone is just like, you know, when we, when we were watching it, once it was done, my family was like, I had no idea like that's And then, so that's just such a wonderful moment when you're in that interview and people are opening up and sharing things that they've kept locked away um, and maybe never would have shared if they hadn't been in that situation. Well, yeah. I mean, some of this stuff is like when you're doing it with business people, I mean, they, they don't, I mean, they don't want to tell their, their spouse that the, you know, that it's really this close. They don't want them to worry. They, you know, they, they there's just so much of that just stays internal. And, uh, and the same thing is with your, with your father, I'm sure there was a lot of things that he may have even forgotten about Yeah, that, that hadn't, that, that didn't come up until you were asking those questions. And I bet that was, I bet that was really something that for your family to be able to experience all that and, and share that. Well, yeah, it, it was, it was really special. I'm very proud of how it turned out. And it just, it gave me sort of an excuse to chronicle all of that stuff. Yeah. And I didn't learn anything about my grandparents, like my my grandmother, when she was in the second grade, running up on the roof and seeing the Wright brothers fly by, you know, because she grew up in, in the South. And and my grandfather being going into the Navy at the age of 16 because he had run away from home and working on a battleship and was strong enough that he could he could load the the the, the big rounds. He could yeah. pull one and throw it into the barrel and just do that one after the other. You know, you hear those sorts of stories where you're just like, oh my gosh. And they become then a part of you. Because So like my grandpa was my grandpa and I loved him. But now I have those, those stories that would have died with him that now yeah. I have and can be shared. Um, and yeah, so it was really special to be able to go through that. You know, you, you really bring up something because, and maybe it's just because I'm old enough to realize this. But I mean, I can remember faintly when we got the first television and that's not, I mean, we lived in the country. We didn't live in, in, in the city, so it was a little different, 
but you know today with video everywhere everything everything's on video it's a completely different situation than it was 50 years ago because and to do you think that because video is so prevalent now and so easy to do that we're actually capturing more of those things or do you think because it's so common that we still are missing them i think we're still i think it's a mixture of the two because there's so much it it tends to sometimes lose its value mm -hmm. um it's like when we would film stuff for the, the television show, you know, you'd have a guy who would put a GoPro on top of his helmet and go ride a motorcycle. And you come back and say, oh, I filmed the whole thing. And my thought was always like, you're never, ever, 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 ever going to watch that um, because it's super boring. Um, a, there's no emotionality to it. Um, and so, so much of our life becomes that. It just becomes, yeah. well, there's all this noise. There's all this video that we've taken or photos or whatever that we never go back. It's taking all of that stuff and putting it into something that's digestible that you're going to go back to again and again and again. Like with my family documentary, you know, it ended up being an hour and 20 minutes long. So it was long. It was a long documentary. Um, but that's something that once every five years, someone will be like, hey, we should watch that. And you pop it in and there's encapsulated in that hour and 20 minutes, you know, 60 years of history. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, the highlights. But that's one thing that when we get so much volume of video, it tends to lose its meaning unless yeah. we take the things that are really important and we put them together. Uh, and then we have something that we can look back on. It's like having 10,000 photos. You're not going to look through 10,000 photos. But if you take 100 of those best photos and you put them into a photo album, you're going to revisit those. And yeah. those photos will then have power and represent more than those other 10,000 photos. That's a great point. It's a great way to think about it, I, I believe, too, because it is it it is putting all this into a digestible format that, that's impactful. And, and what you're helping people do is, is take this, put it into that to really make really make the emotion and feeling come through. Yeah, like think of it as a punch, right? If you punch, the force of your punch gets spread all the way through your fist. But imagine if you could focus that just in one little point right here. Well, if you could do that, you would be able to shatter brick with just yeah. the force of your punch. And that's kind of what you're looking at when it comes to video. If you're focusing it and putting it in that capsule, it will have, yeah. it'll be like a bullet that'll just blow through everything. Yeah, yeah. So what's been, what's been one of the most fun projects you've done recently that you can talk about if you can? Um, oh, God. I re I worked um, a couple of months ago with a uh, franchise, uh, the Chick-fil-A franchiser, the, the mm -hmm. owner of a couple of Chick-fil-A's. Yeah. Um, and it was a very simple project that we worked on. He wanted to, you know, do a couple of videos. Um, but he was one of the ones that really that really felt impacted by his own story. Um, and it was interesting because he talked about how he had, because now he, you know, he's an owner of a fast food restaurant. And he talked yeah. about how he, when he was a teenager, when he first got the job, he, he thought he was too good for fast food. It wasn't what he wanted. And the only reason he took the job was because he was so intimidated by the guy who was taking his interview. Um, that when he said, okay, can you start Monday? He just said, yes. And that's how he got the job. Oh, wow. um, and that was really 
really interesting just to see where he had come from um, and how it that one decision had set him on a path, kind of like mine, where if I had heard back from the radio station before I heard back from the television station, who knows where I would be because I would have taken it. Yes. Um, it's those little moments. And when you find out about those moments in people's lives and you think, wow, what would their life have looked like if they had made that one different choice? And his was so cool because he, he had that. He had that one moment that had basically defined the rest of his life. And if he had said no, then he would have been completely different. We never would have met. And so that yeah. one stuck with me because of that, because it was just one of those things that was a defining moment. And he was able to share that. And it made me think in that moment. And then I used that as the crux of his of his video and people loved it. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool because there are there are those there are those defining moments. There are those in everyone's life, I believe lives, I believe. And and when you can share those, that that is really cool. Especially like that when it, it was it was a, almost a chance meeting. Yeah. That that it happened. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Well, Stephen or Steve. I say Stephen once in a while because you use that in, in your words. If my mom's listening, you want to go with Stephen, but I don't think okay. she Okay. Okay. So Steve, what's what's uh what's coming up? I mean, you're you're obviously a writer. You have some more books in the works. You got some books that are out. What do you, what do you got going on there? I do. So I just put out a, a new book, um, but I'm working on some publishing deals. So you can only get it through paperback through me. You can't get it digitally okay. or anything like that. It's called Dream Forgers. I'm very, very proud of it. Um, I feel that it's probably the most impactful story that I've ever written um, about shared consciousness and um, what happens if you know something in a in a dream state and people are willing to kill you in the real world in order to get it. So it's it's very thrilling. It explores oh, yeah. consciousness, and I'm very very pleased with it. So that one you can purchase on paperback through my website at stephenhuman.com. That's my author website. Um, and I'm working on the sequel. I've got, I've, I have three books in that series. Um, so I'm working on the sequel now. Um, and I'm just very excited. And then, Kate, okay, what I try to do is when, when I'm into a new series, I always try and have whatever my next thing is so that it can kind of percolate. And so when I finished the first Dream Forgers, I kind of sat down and spent a day going over ideas. And so I've got another series after this one that I'll start um, that's called uh, postmodern prehistory, and um, it'll have to wow. do with with uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a very fun series, but it'll deal with time travel, but just in a little bit different, more humorous way. I'm not a big fan of time travel. I think it's a cheat, oftentimes, and so I'll be coming from that perspective, um, and it'll be very very fun. But yeah, I, so that's kind of what the what the future holds in that regard. That's cool. That's cool because I you know. You, I mean, because you in your Gavin Baker series, you've got three books in that series. Yeah, yeah, Gavin Baller. Yeah, or Gavin Baller. Excuse me, I couldn't read my own writing here. <laughs> but it, but uh, that sounds like a very interesting series too. Greatest actor, biz, biggest disappointment. What was it? Biggest? Disappointment? Yeah, yeah. He's the he's the greatest actor in Hollywood, and as awesome as he thinks he is, he discovers he's in fact the biggest disappointment in the universe. <laughs> yeah. And it's a great galactic adventure. Gavin's such a fun character. Um, the third book in that series I'm incredibly proud of because for me, if you're going to do a trilogy, 
you know, basically you're telling a beginning, middle and end in, in each yeah. of the books. And then each of those books represents the beginning, the middle and the end. And so the, the third book is always the most important or in, or in a case of a movie, the third movie is always the most important one. Um, and I am very, very proud of that book because I wanted it to, to, to get you to a point where it twisted things a little bit and you realize you may not have been paying attention to the right details throughout the first two books. Oh man. And, and so when you get to that point, like I had my editor, I have, I've had readers that were just like, dude, when that happened, I told, I sat back and was like, Oh my gosh, I haven't been paying attention to the right thing. And it all made sense at that moment, which is what I wanted. I wanted it to be like, Oh, you know, I didn't see the trick until it was too late. And now what's yeah. going to happen. So yeah, I absolutely love that series. And then I have a few standalones. I have Paper Heroes, which is my first yep. novel. That's a standalone. Um, Transfused is a standalone. Both of those are are sci-fi thrillers. Um, and then I have a um, a compilation of my own novellas and short stories in Retooled, which is all dark sci-fi retellings of lesser-known fairy tales. Um, and so I, I, the great thing about owning my own business and owning my own author business and publishing everything myself is that I can concentrate on writing what I want yeah. and then the fans arrive, you know, it's not like, Oh, well, this is what's popular. So I have to write this. I can say, you know, this is what I want to write. And this is what I'm excited about. And the people will join me. Yeah. So that's been really fun. And then I have a couple of novellas um, that are about, you know, quarter sized novels. You, you know, you can read them in about four or four hours, but um, yeah. one of them is a, a violently heartwarming Christmas Carol called Squad. <laughs> Um, and the other, and that's a dark comedy. And then the other one is called Station Zarahemla, which is about war on a space station. Um, so I wanted to be very claustrophobic. And uh, yeah, so that wow. I just kind of, I get an idea and I run with it and it's fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, I can see I, that creative side of you has to surely help. I mean, I just, I just, I feel it from you and I've seen some of your finished videos and they're really something how you do really, as you said, you you know how to take that story and condense it down into the impactful moments and really bridge it together into a, a heartfelt message. And yeah. I think uh, that being a, being a novelist, they, they, they feed into each other. Yes. Because one, I can just, I'm making the world up basically, you know, it's, it doesn't exist and then it does. And then I'm taking something that does exist, but I'm, I'm using the same principles that I would use for my novels when it comes to, okay, well, I got to worry about pacing. And I've got to worry about, you know, because you don't want anybody to get bored. Um, mm -hmm. I've got to worry about what the what the highs and the lows are. And then picking the music so that the music allows follows those highs and lows. So that because what what you want when someone either is reading a book or watching a video is you want them to leave with an emotion. You want them to have felt something. That's why it was created. And so I want them to feel the emotion that needs to be felt from that piece. If you want them to leave feeling like a million bucks after that piece, well, then that's what its purpose is. That's what you need to do. If you want them to feel sad or whatever the emotion is, you want them to leave with that and just be like, oh, you know, and if you do mm -hmm. that, then you've succeeded. You've done exactly what you set out to do and you had an emotional impact on another person. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think you summed it up well there, Steve. It, it is really about the difference in you and the videos that I've seen that you produce is, is really that emotional um, 
reaction that you you create with those people that watch the your finished work so thanks so much for being here today i i appreciate you stopping by and sharing your collection you're talking about writing and and the video production um and just sharing your story with us today well thank you david this has been an absolute pleasure um you know this sort of stuff talking about it and and helping other people to kind of understand the importance of storytelling and them as a storyteller. You know, if I, if I would, you know, talk to people and say, you are a storyteller and don't run away from it just because you might think that your story isn't worth telling. It definitely is. Um, mm -hmm. And whether you write it down or you record it or whatever, take the time to, to tell those stories because if we don't tell them once we're gone, well, that story goes with us. And no one else is going to be able to tell it. So remember, your story is important. Yeah. Wow. Steve, that's an awesome way to leave this. I don't even know what to say after that. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you so much. So we had Steve Human here today. He was talking about a lot of things, but telling your story with video is, is the topic we were covering. How can people get a hold of you, Steve, if they want to talk to you? Um, best way you can go to my website, um, superhumancreative.com um, with the spelt like my last name. So human is H-E-U-M-A-N-N, superhumancreative.com um, or a stevenhuman.com. That's my author website. Um, or you can just call me. My number is 801-953-6334. Um, feel free to give me a call. Um, send me an email at uh, superhuman, again, spelled like my last name, superhuman01 at gmail.com. Um, if you forget the 01, it's fine. My wife is superhuman. She got the email before I could. Um, so either way, it will get to me. But superhuman01 at gmail.com. Um, we can do a Zoom meeting. We can talk um, and just kind of see what it is you want to do, what emotion you want your video to, to kind of portray. And what's going to be best for your business or for your family, um, whatever it is that you, you know, the story you want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. We had John Buglino in here and he said he loved the conversation. Joseph's laughing. He, he's gone. But Steve, Steve Human here with us today talking about telling your story. Video. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Thanks, Steve, for being here. We'll be back again next week. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Bye, Steve.